welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. So uh, last week, Andrew and Rosie unpacked some practical wisdom from Proverbs about how to manage your money. And this week, we'll be looking at a couple principles that help us live a life of generosity. Now, you can be generous with all kinds of things. You could be generous um, with your words. You could be encouraging. You could be generous with forgiveness. You could be um, generous with your time. But the Bible primarily talks about generosity with your resources, um, which is your possessions, your money. And the Bible talks a lot about food. But um, those are the things that generosity talks about. So we're going to focus on primarily talking about generosity when it comes to your resources. And so um, I just want to start just to ask you a few questions. I am expecting a little bit of interaction here, so do feel free to shout out. Um, I know the kids are gone, but it's all right. God encourages us to be childlike, right? So let's, let's, let's give it some voice. Um, now, if you read the book of Proverbs, do you think that it teaches generosity is a good idea or a bad idea? Excellent. A good idea. That's right. Okay. And who do you think the book of Proverbs teaches us to be generous to? Everyone? Yeah, that's a good start. Any? The poor. Excellent. Um, yeah, so you would probably rightly assume, even if you've never read Proverbs, that it probably teaches that we should be generous, that's a good thing, and we should be generous to the poor and to the needy. And I think that that question of the poor and the needy is, there are some specific challenges that we face in our current um, society. The, cha- the challenge is us, the, the challenge is that the, we're, is the Bible's written into a different society, which was a much smaller society, and there was no social safety net. But we live in a very different time, where globalization and media means that we are much more aware of the overwhelming poverty beyond our community than we are of the needs of the very own people in our community. And combine this with um, the British culture of of not really being comfortable talking about our personal finances, and practically, we we can find this situation being true, that someone could be sitting here in church who is giving hundreds of pounds to charities working overseas and could be sitting next to someone in church who can't pay their bills. And I I personally don't think that this is what God wants for us. And so I'd really love to just take this moment to encourage you and encourage us, like, let's be an honest community, even in this area of finances, If you are here and you're struggling financially, then we would really love to hear about it. We'd love to help you. We want to be a church um, that helps in those situations. And the reality is, practically, we are a church that is incredibly generous and responsive in those moments. And actually, the times where people have put their hand up and said, you know what, we're really struggling, the church has rallied and jumped to it, and we love seeing um, those things. But often we feel, if we're in that situation, we can feel worried about it or feel like we can't talk about it. And I just really encourage you to be, let's be an honest community, not just in this financial area, but in all areas of our life. Let's be a community where it's all right to not be all right, where we can bring our problems and that we can know that we will be received with grace and with love 
and with um, the power of God. So that's a little aside. But important, I think. And when it comes to generosity, it raises all kinds of practical questions about what to give to, how much to give, who to give to. And I think these really depend on your own circumstances and passions. I don't think there's something that I can specifically answer from the pulpit here for all people. Um, but if you would like to discuss those, we, someone on the team would love to chat with you. But that's not what I'm going to look at this morning specifically. But the Bible does speak to some general principles that help us, help form a foundation that enable us to live generous lives. Behavioral psychology tells us that our actions are driven by the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and about how the world works. And how we spend our money reveals the way we view ourselves and the world. And this is why the Bible speaks about it, because it reveals our heart. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So today I want to look at two proverbs that represent two biblical narratives which I think form the core of the teaching around generosity. Now, the danger with what I have to say is that is that you might feel like I'm saying, if you get your mindset right, then you'll be rich, okay? That's not what I'm saying. That's not the promise. <laughs> like, I don't think, you know, this, this isn't if you've got enough faith, then you'll be healthy, wealthy, and whole, and, you know, it'll all, it'll all be good. That's not what I'm saying. But I think there, there is a reality that when we align ourselves with the way that God um, has invited us to live, that it does allow his grace and his provision to flow. And so... It's about holding that tension, that God isn't promising us that we'll be rich and if we you know, have enough faith, we can get a Ferrari. But at the same time, he is promising that he's a good father who loves us and is promising to provide for what we need. So as, I share, as, I, as we explore these um, mindsets um, or these narratives, just hold that tension in mind. And so as we come to this first one, which is having a mindset of abundance, or to be a, have a more God-focused one, is that God is a God of abundance. Um, if you grew up at the C of E school, then you may have heard the song, The Magic Penny. Has anyone heard the song, Magic Penny? Um, by Malvin Ren by Malvina? Malvina Reynolds, that's it. Um, well, it goes, uh, love is something if you give it away give it away, give it away, love is something if you give it away, you end up having more, it's just like a magic penny, hold it tight and you won't have any, but lend it, spend it and you'll have so many, they'll roll all over the floor. Now we sang that many times, um, it might just be me, but I'm, I'm somewhere in the mid-age range in this room, but, um, the <laughs> but it's interesting, the Bible, what the Bible teaches about personal generosity is actually very much like this magic penny. If you keep it, if you hold on to what you have out of fear, then you'll find that you don't have enough. But if you give generously, you'll find you have more than you need. Proverbs 11.24 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more, yet another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. And this is said another way by Jesus in the New Testament. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will pour into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
The picture here is that when we use finances as God intended, then there is a constant flow, much like a natural spring or a well. So you can picture two different mindsets, as a reservoir or as a well. So if you imagine a scarcity mindset as a reservoir. So a reservoir has no flow. Essentially, it's a big concrete bucket, and it catches the rain. There's no natural inflow or outflow, and you have to really carefully manage how much water you let out and how much water you let in, because you have to think, what about the rain? Are we going to get enough rain? Is it going to keep or not? And I think for, for many of us, that's like our finances, that we're kind of like, well, we have to really carefully manage like how much I'll just let a little trickle out because I don't know when the next rain's coming or how much the rainfall will be or how, that, how that's going to do. And ultimately that forms a lot of anxiety in us. And naturally it would, that there's levels of control, there's levels of fear and level of anxiety that come out of a reservoir way of thinking about our finances. But the other way of thinking about it, that God is a God of abundance or having a mindset of abundance, is that there will always be enough. That if you imagine a well that has a natural spring, that you can... I'm not a, natu- I'm not a geographer, so... I, I realize that there are some limits to this illustration, but assuming that the spring doesn't run dry, because it's, there is a, you can keep giving out water and keep giving out water and it's never going to run dry because there is an inflow that is coming in that is um, constant. And that is the way that the Bible pictures finances um, and generosity with God. That actually... There is a constant inflow that as we give out, God will give in. Another proverb says that to lend to the poor is to lend to the Lord. And you may have heard the saying, you can never outgive God. And that is essentially what that picture is, is that as you give, there's more spring water flowing in. There's more resources flowing in because you are lending to the Lord and he is faithful and he will not let it run dry. So the Bible encourages us to, get, to have a mindset of abundance. God owns all the resources in the world and he is sovereign. He is in control and he can direct them to wherever they are needed. So that's one. I just want to share a little story um, on this. Uh, now, to be honest, it's a bit old. So like last week, though, on Tuesday, Becky and I celebrated 14 years of marriage. So, and this, thank you, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but... The story is from the beginning of that time, but I just like it because A, it's, it's, doesn't, it's, about, it's God-focused and um, B, it's, it's just fun. And so our church in London had an offering, had put out a, an offering um, for a, like, a project that they were doing and we had just got married and Becky was working as an administrator at the church in London and I was volunteering um, and we lived in London, so you can imagine finances weren't... Um, were tight, and um, we came to this offering and pray, and we, as always, prayed about what should we give. And I got this really weird specific number. It was like two hundred and sixty-four pounds and forty pence, or something like that. I was like, this just seems really odd. Like, why? This is very specific. <laughs> and and so we chatted about it, and we were like, well, you know what? The reality is, we can't afford this, <laughs> but it's clearly God because this is just a bit odd. So we, we wrote the check, we put it into the offering, and we were like, God, you know, we tr- we're going to trust you. And this is right at the beginning of our marriage and right at the beginning of 
our time um, working for that church, or volunteering in my case. And we put this in, trusting. We started work a couple of weeks later. A tax rebate that was about five years old finally caught up with us, because that's what happens when you move every year. Um, and a tax rebate finally caught up with us, and it was exactly £264.40. Like, God had just... He, he just wanted to set up from the very beginning that he had our back, that in our choice to trust him and trust his provision and volunteer, despite living in London. But also for me, it was just the amazement that he can kind of, like, this five-year-old tax rebate, he's like kind of put on pause going, oh yeah, I've got this great idea. Like, I really want to communicate my goodness and generosity to them. So I'm just going to pause this tax rebate for a couple of years until they really need it. And then I can reveal my heart to them in this moment. It was just an amazing sense of God's, not just God's generosity, but also his sovereignty. And so secondly, there's a principle to have a posture of trust or to know that God loves us and he knows what we need. So I want to ask you a question. Who's the most generous person you know? What is the difference about them? Is it that they have the most money out of all of your friends? Or is it that they don't trust in their money? Now, money is a great tool, but it is a terrible God. And what I mean by God is that the thing, that it's the thing that you trust in to save you in difficult times, or the thing that you use to bring joy in times of sorrow. And Matthew 6.24 talks about this. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, Proverbs 11 continues in verse 28. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. A mindset of abundance will only get you so far if it's not paired with a posture of trust. If you're going to be free from fear and anxiety and released into generosity, then you not only need to know that God can provide for you, but you need to trust that he will. And for me, I found that this trust has a lot to do with knowing who I am. It has a lot to do with how I view myself and my relationship with God. And obviously, it has to do with knowing God. But having that sense that I am a beloved child of God, that he is my good and generous father who knows what I need and has promised to provide me, that, that certainty sets up a trust in my heart that, that God not only can provide, but because of who he is and because of where I stand with him, he will provide. But... Not only knowing those things, it's interesting that God also knows that if we're going to trust someone, we need to experience it. And what I find super interesting is God challenges us. God in the Bible says, don't trust me. Don't tr he says, trust me, sorry, don't test me. That's a slip. God says, don't test me. But in this area of finances, in Malachi, he says to the people of Israel... In this, test me, he challenges them. They're complaining that God's not providing for them. 
And he says, bring in the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there'll be no room to store it. Now, look, this is a specific moment in Israel's history, but this is interesting that God in this area says, look, you, why don't you put me to the test? Why don't you give? Why don't you sort it out and see that, I don't, that I'll come through? Because he knows that actually putting him... to he knows that if in order for us to trust him, we also need to see it. And my encouragement would be, do that. Put God to the test in this area. Why don't you see what he can do? Now, um, when, we, when we made that choice that I talked about earlier to um, volunteer at our church in London, or I volunteered and Becky worked, we, we had a conversation with some people and they said, Okay, well, if you're going to choose to trust in God's provision, that's fine. But you need to be aware that God will only provide what you need. And, and I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a interesting. But also, like, well, what you need is surely enough. But I think what we found on our journey was that God was way more generous to us than we, have, we were to ourselves. So... We had, a, we had this happen a couple different times where we felt like, you know what, like we don't have the finances to, so one instance was we didn't have the finances to buy a TV, we didn't have a TV, we were like, oh yeah, that's fine, wouldn't it be cool if we just lived without a TV and we didn't have a TV at all for ages and the next, the next week someone came around for dinner and um, they were a couple who just got married and this is a cl classic newly married moment where the guy turned to us over lunch and said, oh, you don't have a TV. Well, my wife says my TV's too big. So uh, would, you, would you, my new wife thinks my TV's too big. So would you like it? And, uh, and so we, we randomly got given a TV just after we'd said, well, wouldn't it be great if we just didn't have a TV? Wouldn't that be cool? Becky and I had never learned to drive because we lived in London and no one wants to drive in London. And we got, we're in the Netherlands and we were chatting and we were like, wouldn't it be cool if we just never learned to drive? If, if we just like, if we spent our whole lives and had never owned a car and never even learned to drive, wouldn't that be a fun, ecological, pro positive God story? And then the next week I went into work and my boss goes, oh, Jeff, we'd really love to pay for you to have driving lessons. And... We, which was just odd. We had had a prophecy um, where someone had really spoken into our lives about living with um, our bags packed, being able to respond, um, living lightly and being able to respond to the call of God to go wherever he had for us. And for us, that had really settled that we would never own a home. And so we thought, okay, we're just not going to own a house. And we'd come to this conclusion. And then we had this random moment where Becky's, my wife's parents said to us, oh, well, we've just sold this house. We've got this extra money. We'd like to give you a deposit for a home. And for us, it was a massive wrestle because we were like, but God, we thought you said this would never, like, we were trying to be obedient to you. And we just really felt like God saying, are you, this is my provision, obviously. Like, are you going to say No. And so, look, my principle, I'm not saying, look, every time you, every, if you want something, pretend you don't want it and God will give it to you. Like, that's not, that's not the, the point of the story. But my point, my point is that actually, when it comes to the provision of God, yes, God is a good father who will provide what you need. But actually, what you need might be actually more than you think. 
Like, yes, you could probably live on less. Probably every, well, that's not true. So many of us could live on less. But also, God is a good God who loves to provide for us. But he also blesses us so that we could be a blessing. So just rounding up on those things. So two principles that I think help lay a foundation of a life of generosity is one, having a mindset of abundance, that God is a God of abundance. He is in control and he can provide. Secondly, a mindset of trust, knowing who we are, knowing who God is, and knowing his goodness. And finally, just three reasons quickly that you might want to choose to be generous. One, the obvious one, others will be blessed. God's plan A is to meet the needs of the world by placing resources in the hands of those who know him. And when we steward well what God has given us, the needy get what they need. This is a huge blessing practically for them, but also psychologically and emotionally. Secondly, you will be blessed. As we've seen, God will provide for you. But Proverbs also says that when you give to the needy, they will pray for you and pray for your blessing. And when you bless others, they will bless you back, and so will God. Thirdly, God is blessed. God is, gener- God is a generous God, and when we are generous, we are revealing who God is to others, and that results in him getting more praise. So 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So when we are generous, we are blessed, others are blessed, and God gets the praise that he deserves. And so really my invite this morning is one of personal reflection. What are you, where is your mindset? What is your posture? And do you want to live a life of generosity and step towards God in this? And in these moments of self-reflection, if you want to know um, you are a generous person, that you could take a risk and you could ask others. You could turn to some friends and say, oh, do you, do you think I'm generous? Would you describe me as a generous person? Um, if you're a little, if you're a little um, well, this still takes bravery, but it's a little bit more secret. You can ask God what he thinks and um, see what he has to say. And the other thing you can do is observe yourself. When people have a need, how do you respond? When people ask you for something, what goes on in your heart? So if you want to examine yourself in this, you can ask others, you can observe yourself and your reactions, and you can ask God. Well, that is all that I have to say this morning. And so we're going to move into just a time of response. And so can I just encourage you, if you're... If, you'd, if you're up for it, to stand. Um, and just as the band gets set up, why don't we just take a moment of stillness, not necessarily quiet, where, and just ask yourself two questions. What is God saying to me this morning? And what is he asking me to do about it? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.